This is Podcast for Columbus. Recording from Columbus, Ohio, home of the hardest working team. Coda Stewart, Cameron McKay, and Todd Fichtenberg are talking all things soccer. Columbus Crew, International, Premier League, and everything in between. Welcome to our conversation. Welcome to Podcast for Columbus, recording live on February 8th, 2020, from the Crew Cavern up here in northern Columbus. I'm Todd Fichtenberg, at Toddrick33, and with me, as always, is Dakota Stewart, at Coda Stewart, and we have a special guest today, Cam McKay. How are you fellas doing today? Doing just fine. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. It has indeed. It's been longer for me. Excited to be here. Yeah, I've got a lot going on in terms of getting married and relocating. Um, and so that's one of the reasons we're now in the crew cavern, but um, um, I'm in the midst of a trademark lawsuit I can't talk about because somebody decided to steal a crew corner from me. Wow. So, so if any of our, our old school list, yeah, any of our old school listeners out there are like, wait, what happened to the crew corner? That's what's going on. So uh, to steal a phrase from Alexis Lalas, let's light this candle. Kick off. All right, well, this is a segment where we review the most recent match usually, but today, since this is the 2020 preview episode, Conversation 35, we'll talk about the players who have left. So most notably at the top of the list is Will Trapp, who's decided to move on to Miami FC. So I wanted to ask the fellows, what is your favorite Trapp moment other than him leaving? I'll go ahead and take this one. I think there's one standout thing about Will Trapp with the club that pretty much everybody's going to remember him for, which is his banger against Orlando City to win the game. I have a much better moment than that, but I'll let Cam speak first. Yeah, the moment that came to mind for me was that Orlando City goal. Um, That being said, he was one of those players who was really quiet for the most part and just kind of did his job every week in, week out. I think what I'll remember is kind of the consistency in his performances. Yeah, um, I remember a game in 2014, April, of 2014 uh, my family's at that game it was the first year as a season ticket holder um, we were down one nothing to DC Bernardo Anor had just received a red card and in the 90th minute Trap lobs this 30-40 yard ball right to the feet of Hector Jimenez who scores and ties the game 1-1 at the end that and was a really good play that, I think that's second so that's the one I remember because he didn't mean that goal <laughs> I have to stick with that narrative I said it I got lambasted for it I can't change my mind I can't I have to save face but uh, I don't the goal saved that. the crew. Oh, true. So why would we get rid of somebody who saved the crew? I don't know. Because uh, he's. I guess because we want to win things. Actually, I, I think it's pretty clear he wanted out. So I don't think the club mistreated him. I know we didn't get a lot out of it. What was it, hundred thousand, with a potential of three hundred thousand if certain things happen. And an international and a, yeah, a roster, roster spot. spot. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. I think it's good for him. I do think there's. I remember when I first bought season tickets in '14, the talk was that Trap was going to be the next um, Bradley in the 2018 World Cup. And well, the USA didn't even make it to that World Cup. And I'm not sure Trap would have even made the squad if we had made it to the World Cup. So um, it is kind of interesting to think how things change. Um, the other thing I was going to say about that game was um, they had. You guys remember Autograph Alley? Yeah, I used to love that when I was younger. I was always, even in my 30s, I enjoyed going. And Bernardo Anor was was supposed to be on the panel that night when he got the red card. I just remember that. I don't know why I remember that, but but it's funny. They should bring that back because I think that would be something cool to like 
I don't know. There's a bunch of new kids getting into the crew, and that was just something cool to like connect with the players. So I think yeah. that would be a cool idea. So Pete and Bez, if you're still listening, I mean, I think they went to the Spanish podcast, which you can plug if you'd like. I mean, I'll go ahead and give a shout. <laughs> I've got a new Spanish podcast. I'll put the link up later. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, so if you guys are listening, bring back Autograph Alley. But we'll talk more about that later because I think we got stuck trusting our lead, our ownership too much in the past. And I think we may be going down that same road, but that's a tease. So another player that has left, um, I didn't cry as much as when Finley left, but uh, Luis Argudo was selected by Miami in the expansion draft. And I wonder how he feels now that Trap's coming because, you know, he got to escape Trap. So just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, I was actually – I know that we've done a lot of roster changes, but to be honest, I was actually pretty excited about uh, keeping Argudo, um, even if he didn't start because he was kind of one of those guys who had that nonstop engine that just could go and go um, nonstop effort. And I know effort doesn't create goals and doesn't mean that you're, like, the best player in the world, but um, I did think he had a lot of potential. I was actually very sad to see him go. I mean, yeah, it sucks to lose anybody, especially in that kind of circumstance without really getting anything in return. Um, but it happens to us every time that there's an expansion draft. Yeah. Everybody always chooses somebody from Columbus. I'm just glad that it happened this time instead of next year because now we're exempt from next year, so there's no chance of Austin FC picking anybody. So, I mean... Which, by the way, I still think that the crew should have been the ones to have received that expansion pick since we're technically the expansion team, um, but whatever. <laughs> But yeah, um, for Argudo himself as a player, I think he's going to fit in fine with Miami. Yeah. I'm not sure if he's going to be a starter because they do or they did bring in quite a few guys that play the same position. But I think he's probably going to have sort of the same role that he had up here in Columbus. But I mean, I wish him the best. He was a good rotational player up here while he was with us. I think he grew up here. So hopefully he turns into a more better player, except for when they play against us. Yeah, Luis was kind of a personal favorite of mine, um, but he was more, I mean, he was kind of your typical rotation winger, um, and I mean, one thing I liked about him was he was just one of those guys that he could not play for five games in a row, and you didn't really have to worry about his attitude or him complaining about not playing, but then he could also step in and play, you know, three, four games in a row and give us decent minutes of production, but um, I think with some of the guys we brought in they'll kind of replace him fairly easily but um he's definitely a player that i think has a will have a pretty long career in major league soccer mm -hmm. yeah and i do think that if i'm being honest most young players would probably rather play in miami than play in columbus ohio um it's sad to say but i think that's probably a safe assumption yeah i mean um, miami it seems like they have an exciting thing going on down yeah. there they're definitely not as big as LAFC or uh, Atlanta United were when they first started, but I, I feel like they're going to have an exciting product to watch, which hopefully that doesn't turn into something bad for us, but I'm still excited to watch it as a fan of the league. Yeah, they were fun to make fun of when they tried to get a team for five years, but I do think <laughs> I do think what they have, they haven't built any big names, but I think what they're building is going to be exciting, and I, I can't lie, I just love the pink jerseys. I want pink so another gentleman who left is Guzman. Um, he must have given up the blackmail pictures that he had um, from Porter, and he was finally able to leave the team. So uh, I really have nothing other than to say. I don't even know where he went, but goodbye and good riddance. That's all I got to say. Yeah, he went back to Saprissa in Costa Rica, which is the team that he played for before he came to the States. Um, 
So, oh. I mean, I really don't have anything other than we played a friendly against good them, luck, Saprisa. Yeah, like a sixty-minute thunderstorm yeah. friendly. But um, the Saprisa fans, like I was going through their Twitter when he was announced, and like nobody really wants him back. He still plays for <laughs> the national awesome. team, and everybody's like, "Why is this guy still playing?" <laughs> but I mean, if yeah. somebody's willing to pay him, good for him. Yeah, I think he was kind of a signing gone wrong uh, when he first came. It made a lot of sense. We were pretty short in midfield with really only Ricardo Clark as a backup option. And uh, we brought him in kind of as just a change of change of style. And it just didn't really work out at all. Um, but it was a pretty low risk signing. So, I mean, it is what he is. He, you know, he's gone and that's fine with me. All right. And so then we got Alex Cronali, um, homegrown player. Um, where did he end up? I forgot. Uh he Birmingham. well, they just uh, they put him on the waiver list. Like they just didn't re up his contract, yeah. and he ended up going to Birmingham with USL. I would expect to see him back in MLS at some point. I don't know if with the crew. Um, I like him. He's a good dude. Um, I will never forget that hundred yard draft gallop. <laughs> I once told him that he's like, yeah, that's what everybody says. So I felt a little bit like, oh, sorry. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> It, it's understandable. I like the move by Bez and Porter because yeah. he was the last man down in the uh, in the pegging order for center back. So it's not really like we're going to miss him. Uh, personal wise, set aside. I mean, we have plenty of center backs uh, depth to move forward. So I don't think it's like uh, a transfer that's going to make or break the crew. Obviously. Yeah, I definitely agree that he's a guy who I think a year or two in USL and he can kind of work his way back up to, you know, an MLS roster, MLS 18 caliber player. But um, I think putting all, you know, all of his homegrown, homegrown status and connection to the club aside, we've got five guys on the roster right now who are more fit to play in MLS than he is. And so it was the right move for him and for us. Yeah, and I think that one thing that's a positive looking at Bez and Porter is that they're not taking sentimentality into account which I'm the first, you know, just to be honest, like that probably would say, okay, well, I want this play around because they've got a good attitude or they're a hard worker or they mean a lot to the club. But um, they are looking at it from a soccering perspective. I mean, we talk about the incoming players that might seem a little contradictory because it seems like a lot of Porter, I mean, uh, Portland players are coming back. But, but, um, but yeah, so that's something that's exciting. Um, we spent a episode, Conversation 34, talking about hashtag thank you, Pipa. So I don't know if anybody wanted to to bring up anything else about him. Um, maybe they'll give him a, a, what do they call it, a testimonial game or something like that. Uh, I think it kind of all depends on what he's doing next. Uh, we really don't know where he's going to play, if he is going to continue to uh, be playing anywhere. Um, but from what I've been told, he's training like a beast, like trying to get back. I don't know if that means back into MLS or if he wants to sign for some Argentine side or really anywhere else. But um, I think if he does end his career as a player and does want to come back to Columbus in any fashion. I think that that's an appropriate time to honor him as a player. But aside from that, if he continues to play with another team, I would hate to see him for any other MLS team yeah, for just sure. for uh, sentimental sides. But um, yeah, if, if he does decide to call it quits on a player career, I think it'd be cool to bring him back for a match or something to honor him. Yeah, I think he's, it was the right time for him to go. I mean, it may have been the right time a year or two I say maybe a little earlier late, than that. But um, I think one of the nice things is with, you know, an addition that we'll discuss here in a second. Um, it's nice that we don't 
we just kind of pass the torch to the next guy rather than like worrying about missing him. So I think that's good because it makes it a little easier to let him go. Um, but yeah, I mean, hopefully he recovers well and can keep playing the sport he loves. Just hopefully not in MLS. Yeah. Yep. So, so that's a nice transition into our next segment. Starting eleven. And this is a segment where we usually talk about player rankings, with four being the worst and six being average. But this time, we'll talk about the new players that have added. Um, and we'll go ahead and start with who I'm assuming. Um, this may be stereotypical, but I'm assuming, Dakota, you already have his jersey. Um, you already have his number. Um, you've already hung out with him. Um, but Lucas, um, can you say his last name for me, please? Uh, well, the Spanish pronunciation for Argentina is Salerashan. I like that. That's what we call him. Zalarashan. You can just like call him it. Lucas or Chino. That's his name. Oh, Chino? Ooh, Chino. I like, I'm going to write that down. I actually didn't know that. Yeah. But um, he is it true? You guys can talk more to this than I do than I can, but um, is it true that he is the heir apparent? He's the, the number 10 that was brought in to play that role? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, there was actually a report. I don't remember who said it, but uh, Bez and Porter had like a list of three or four guys, and out of those three or four guys, Lucas was the one that – stuck out as being the best fit for our system. I would love to know who the other two or three guys were just to, for my own curiosity, but it seems like Lucas was handpicked for the crew and everything worked out in the end. Um, I'm super excited to have him on the squad. Um, I haven't watched him a whole lot because uh, he played for Tigres and Liga MX, so I haven't really followed that league much. But um, before that, he had played in Belgrano in Argentina, so he's really high, highly regarded there in uh, Cordoba, Argentina. So I think he's got a lot of future here in Columbus. <laughs> Sorry about it. My dog Jake is going berserk, um, but he'll be all right. Um, did you end up going to the airport when he um, flew in? Yeah, uh, me and Cam actually both went. It was a pretty decent event. Uh, we got there early, so we got to like see everybody come in and everything. There were about, I, I don't know, roughly 75 people. I have no idea, but there was a good amount to where we filled up that room pretty easily. Yeah, yeah. I heard I'd seen on Twitter that people were um, left outside or, or they were unable to continue to come in. Uh, but yeah, in all the videos, I, I thought for sure I'd see Dakota at the very front. I never saw him in any of the videos. So no, because I'm I, I just won't say anymore. But no, I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I did do a live broadcast though, so like people can see it if they weren't able to make it to the nice. airport. So it was cool because like we did the tunnel. He walked through, took pictures with all the fans that jumped in his face. Um, some people took a bunch of stuff for him to sign and everything, which is weird, I guess, but teach their own. But it was, it was cool because he was like really welcomed. It, I think that whole story of him being welcomed at the airport went kind of viral within yeah. the, uh, <laughs> within the <laughs> Spanish media. But um, it, it was cool because it, uh, I think it made him feel like at home, like we're, we're here to back you up. So yeah, I liked no, it. and he seemed to be excited about it, which I thought was cool too. Like he wanted to come play for Columbus, um, which is what I want to see in in our players. Yeah, I think it's a really exciting signing. It's a really big sign of intent by the ownership and Tim Bezbachenko and Caleb Porter. Um, I think, I mean, this is a guy who has been like a consistent starter and probably the best team in North America for the last five years, maybe even the last decade, and. Um, He's a guy that, I mean, he is going to have a much bigger role in Columbus than he had in that Tigres team. But, I mean, I think just even the price point, the fact that we spent that much money on a single player is really exciting that 
um, regardless of how well he works out, it's exciting to know that they are willing to spend that kind of money. And he's somebody that should fit right in. And I'm sure, I mean, by all, by, by the way, it sounds Caleb has like the perfect role for him in this team. So, um, I haven't seen him. <laughs> I don't know what his deal is, but <laughs> I haven't seen him play much, but, um, I think that, uh, he he should be really good. I can't say for sure, but he looks like a very exciting player. Yeah, because it seems like he's coming in and Caleb is like putting all of his trust into him, giving him the reins to the team basically yeah. so that he can be like the mastermind and pull all the strings and everything. But I mean, if you look at his stats, he he seems like a really great player. With Tigers, he has uh, 139 games played, 23 goals and 14 assists, which is really good because a lot of those appearances, he wasn't a starter. So they used him more as a rotational type player, especially here towards the end of his time with Tigres. But. A lot of the time as a number eight too, opposed yeah, to being yeah. number 10. Um, and I'm not just saying that because of the number on his shirt, but yeah. Hey, yeah, like he was, playing, he was playing as an actual number eight um, in their system a lot. Um, but yeah, I mean, he should like, I would expect those goals and assist numbers to go up playing in yeah, for Columbus. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, with Tigres, he won three trophies within the past couple of years. I think he won the, uh, 16-17 league, 17-18, and then 18-19. So he's got a lot of experience under his belt, and I'm really looking forward to seeing him here with the crew. Yeah, I'm pretty optimistic about the fact that you said how Porter and Bez were, had him on a short list. Because I know that um, Ziggy Schmidt, rest in peace, he was really, really after Ladero. Um, and then he got fired, and then they got Ladero, and then he ended up being that player that he needed, So I'm, that Seattle needed. So I'm hoping that... Um, to some extent, because they went after him so hard that he does end up being a positive player. Yeah, and for I, sure. And I think that's a good comp, too, within the league would be Ladero. That's the kind of impact that I would – I mean, obviously, Ladero is one of the best players in MLS, but I think that would be kind of the ceiling. That would be kind of what we should really hope for would be him having that kind of impact on our club the way Ladero has in Seattle. And that's what we've been talking about for, like, the past, what, three or four seasons <laughs> that we want some kind of guy like Ladero. Right, exactly. Which is great. An actual, an actual number um, to take over the number ten role, um, which actually uh, with Santos um, moving back to the wing, most likely, um, do you think we'll see as much production out of him? I hope so. I mean, from what we've seen, well, we haven't seen anything in preseason so far because every game that they've played has been closed door. But from the three games that they have played, Pedro scored in each one of them. Two of those being penalties, of course. But it seems like from all the quotes I'm seeing and everything coming out of the preseason camp it seems like they're clicking as a yeah. team. And, and they've specifically mentioned that Lucas and Pedro are playing well together. So and I'm really excited for that. What I was going to say, because I hashtag never doubted about Pedro. Yeah, um, of course. But I think that them connecting, um, hopefully they connect really, really well. And I'm excited to see what scoring will come out of that. Yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that combination. I think at first I was kind of hesitant because Pedro did struggle on the wing in his first year and a half in Columbus. Um, and then really broke out playing through the middle last year. But I think um, I think it might even just be a confidence thing with him, and he can go back on the wing now and still kind of thrive there. And he, I also mm. would imagine with uh, Milton back playing along oh, the yeah. left that Pedro will be able to spend just as much time inside as he did last year to where we can kind of overload the middle, and he should get a lot of chances. I don't know if I would expect – as many you know touches and shots but he can still definitely get you know eight to ten goals this year yeah i 
in 18, I said Milton was my um, MVP because just watching him, like sitting on the sideline and just watching the way he played, like just if you would just focus on just his play, I'm like, man, 19 year old kid really. Dude's a workhorse. Yeah. And then, and actually, but, but like not just a workhorse, but uh, um, he made, he made, um, Everyone around him better. Right. He actually made efforts. Like, not not efforts, but he actually made good things happen. It wasn't just the effort. There's he, been, like, two, like, 15-second videos of Milton playing around with uh, Jonathan Mensa, uh, like, from preseason games. And it's just, like, amazing, the, the confidence and, like, the finesse of yes. his touch. I, I'm so excited to have him back this yeah, year. And like, I, we saw it last year, 19. Like, we saw how much we missed him because I'd forgotten. Like, I'd forgotten. And then now that he's coming back... um if what you say is true, like, because sometimes injury, especially to a young player who who did really well, like, I'm glad that if he can come back the same player or better player than he was in 18, like, I mean, this team is going to win the treble. Yeah, not to go all in on this Milton talk right now. I know we're talking <laughs> about new players, although he is going to kind of be like a new signing right. this year. But um, I think I think it really is a big deal. I mean, no disrespect to Hector Jimenez and Waylon Francis, but the thing with Milton is you can kind of put him out there and trust that he's just going to patrol that entire left side up and down the field, right. offense, defense, transitioning. And that, I mean, I really do think that is going to be amazing for Pedro this year because that is really going to free him up, kind of to kind of roam him and Lucas, which I think will really help our attack and creating chances. And plus throwing Luis Diaz in the mix. That's like, that's so dangerous on the attack. I'm so excited to watch it. <laughs> I know for years we've said, oh, we need to focus on attack. We need to focus on attack. We need to focus on attack. And then we actually are focusing on attack. So I'm actually kind of excited about that. Um, and then Chris Cadden, my buddy Cads. <laughs> I just like, I saw somebody tweet that, and I liked that um, from where he's from. Um, when he first was announced that he potentially was coming to the crew, um, he was with Millwall. Um, and then we ended up loaning him to Oxford United because we couldn't – we didn't have an international roster spot. Um, Motherwell. Oh, Motherwell. Motherwell to Oxford. To- what did I say? Good correction. Millwall. Millwall. Oh, good cause, since the host doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. <laughs> they both throw bricks, so it's fine. <laughs> but no, I have a friend um, that that's where he's from. Both less quality than MLS, so. Well, yeah. <laughs> he had Jeez. said to me um, back then um, that this is my home team. He's a good kid and great player. So I said, hey, give me more information on his style. But what he said at the time back then was that he was an attacking mid. Right side will run all day. And I was like, oh, it's Ethan Finley um, that will produce. Um, but it appears based on the way that Oxford used him and that I think what Bez and Porter are going to use it, it looks like he's going to be a fullback as opposed to an attacking mid. Right, yeah. That's what he played every time that he was at Oxford. I don't know if that was under the direction of Bez and Porter, like giving him on loan to Oxford, be like, okay, well, we're going to use him in this position for, for our squad, so kind of get him in the in the right side of mind for that. Um, but that's all he played at Oxford was right back, so... And it seems like that's what he's coming in to do. I don't know if it's coming in to replace Harrison off right away or just uh, kind of have both of them work in there to, you know, fight for the spot. But that's actually what, what I was going to ask you as a prediction. I mean, Cam, you can give your thoughts on him too. But I, I, with Milton and Awful, um, what, you know, is he going to be an immediate starter? Because it seems like they really, really want him. So who's going to be replaced with him? I think Harrison starts out the year as a starter and I think even by the lineups in preseason so far I think it's pretty clear it's Harrison's job to start and I think uh Cadden will kind of be eased in but it also at the same time would not shock me if you know we're sitting here in June July and Cadden is 
the clear starter at right back. It just kind of depends on how he adjusts to the team and adjusts to the league. Um, yeah, I think for sure we view him as an outside back or right back. Um, although it is nice because um, he does have like versatility because he did play wing um, along the right wing and left wing at Motherwell, as well as a couple appearances as a uh, central midfielder. I'm not sure if it was at the number eight or the number six. But he's a guy who we can kind of move around, which is nice. Yeah. Um, so I'm excited to see how he'll fit in. Um, I do know that I've had a complaint, you know, obviously as a Finley fan, with um, Awful being more of an attacking player than a defender. Um, so I'm not sure uh, what, what role that'll play. I'm not, also not sure if Awful being up there in age, which is hard for me to say, <laughs> being older than him. <laughs> but... Um, that maybe he'll be more of a relief player because Awful doesn't seem to get subbed off, um, uh, but maybe he would be. A, maybe we'll start seeing a little bit more differences in the game. One thing about him too is I think he's pretty big compared to Harrison. Yeah, Harrison's like what, like five six, five seven. Which on the other hand, uh, Chris Cadden, he's like I think six one or six two, but he he's got quite the height advantage over Harrison. I would still say that he is. Based on what limited play I've seen, he is still a very like attacking player. I wouldn't necessarily say he's any sort of defensive specialist. Yeah, I w- he is in kind of in that Harrison mold, but at the same time, he definitely is somebody who I think could grow to be a very good fullback going both ways. All right, so then moving on back to the attacking side, we have Nagby, um, which I know that Cam is a big fan of Nagby. I personally, I don't know much about him other than he played on the team that beat us in the um, MLS Cup. And um, that awesome heat map that's out there about how he's the, the best midfield player in the world, but the closer he gets to the goal, the less likely he is to know what he's doing. I don't know how accurate that is, but that's something that I will always think about when I think of Nagby. So it'll be kind of fun to actually watch him, how he plays, and actually be cheering for him instead of against him. Yeah, despite him scoring some of the best goals like in MLS in the last few years, um, he's not a guy who's going to get you many goals. Um, and I think he he did play some wing in Portland and was kind of known as this, you know, fast attacking player. But um, really, I mean, I don't want to bring it back up, but starting that cup run they made in 2015 with Portland, he really kind of transitioned into like more of a number eight. And since then has just thrived and been one of the best number eights in MLS playing for them, then going to Atlanta where he played in that number eight role. And I think he's somebody who just comes right in and instantly is one of our best players um carries the ball really well passes the ball really well it's really kind of one of those guys who he's just kind of really smooth really silky on the ball and i think again you add him into that conversation with pedro and lucas like we have three guys who really just the interplay kind of in midfield heading into the attack should be amazing and i'm really excited about this signing is is he um, a physical player? I wouldn't say so. I no. would say I think one of the reasons – I'm not putting it on Nagby that Will's gone because I think the writing was kind of on the wall for Will yeah. regardless of who wanted we had to move on, yeah. um, this year. But he is a guy who – he is going to need some help behind him because he's not really – he's not really a top-tier defensive player like we've seen with Arthur or Tony Chani playing in that position in the past. Um, he is more of a passing possession, dribbling, focus number eight compared to, you know, tackling, getting stuck in. Um, so I think it is important starting the season with Artur and then 
maybe we'll sign somebody in that number six position, but somebody who can really cover for him when the other team breaks. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited for Darlington to be here with the team. Uh, he's got, like, so much experience in MLS. With Portland Timbers, he played 214 games, uh, 27 goals, and 23 assists. With Atlanta, he played 56 games, two goals, and six assists. Those are all just regular season numbers. That's not even including U.S. Open Cup or playoffs. But um, I'm really excited for him because he's not, you know, the kind of player that sticks out every game. He's not the guy that makes the highlight reel every week. But he is that kind of key piece that we need to be a functional soccer team to, like, push us forward. And, I mean, he's even come out and said that he's not interested in scoring goals himself. He just wants to help out the team. He wants to get the ball to the playmaker, which in our case would be Lucas. So, I mean, he's there to back us up and push us forward as an attacking soccer team. Yeah, that's why I'm not too worried. You mentioned that he's not really going to score goals, and I know that that's how American fans decide who the good soccer players are who score goals. But to me, if you're in an integral part of getting that ball up the field, I'm not concerned whether he scores goals or not. He also is a player who I think is really good at drawing in the defense, and He's somebody who should be able to, you know, take one or two touches, have three defenders close him down, and then he just springs a pass to Pedro or Luis Diaz along right. the wing, and then we're in. And I think it's kind of he's kind of the player who he might not be a game changer as far, or you know, a game changer, changing playmaker as far as like boom creating goals like that. But he's a guy who I think will be a game changer for us in our overall style of play. Right. Yeah, and I mean, aside from all that, he's also a legend because he's club over country. <laughs> he, he was born in Liberia. Um, oh, that's right. I remember But it, he yeah. is a uh, U.S. citizen, is capped for that. U.S. men's national team. But he refused to, has, to accept a call-up. Yeah. Right? Oh, because, I forgot about that. Yeah. He wanted to spend time with his family and get used hey, to Columbus. I don't legend. blame him. Club, club over country, that's our motto here. All right, we have a goalkeeper coming back, Mr. Matt Lampson. I will say that he is one of my favorite people on the planet. He's hilarious. I had the honor to represent him in, um, in his foundation legally. Um, he's a, Off the post videos are great, um, but he is not going to be in any way, shape, or form challenging for the starting goalkeeper position. Um, so just welcome back, Matt. But Yeah, I um, think he's just like an awesome guy to have in the locker room because yep. he just has that kind of you know relaxed personality that's like, really easy he makes everybody feel welcome so i think that's kind of his role with the team just to be like i don't know like the, the team's dad or something <laughs> yeah i think backup goalkeeper is one of the really one of the only positions on the team where you can kind of just as long as you have somebody solid who can do the job then it, you know then that's where you can start taking in you know sentiment and relationship with fans yep. mattering because i think with Lampson, he has a great great relationship with the fans really connects with the fans um, and then, I mean, he's just going to be a phenomenal guy to have in the locker room. And I think that's really important out of a position that, I mean, realistically, hopefully, Elo is healthy all year. And, I mean, realistically, he's going to play, what, yeah. two or three games a year? Yeah, so, maybe U.S. Open yeah. Cup or something. But I am happy that he's he's back in Columbus. Yeah. Um, then we have um, Warm Gore. I think I'm saying that right. Um, but he is he a defensive player? Yeah, back. he's a Dutch that center name, back. It just sounds like it sounds like warmonger is what I think of, <laughs> um, because it reminds me of Mad Dog when that blog came out. He's like, "Oh, I was so angry, I crushed, I bit a ball." <laughs> That's when I hear that name. I'm like, "Ooh, we're gonna have an aggressive defender," but I literally know nothing about him. No, I'm like, I'm really excited for uh, Vito to come in. Uh, he has a lot of experience playing in Europe. He's been with the uh, uh, Dutch league for 
several years now. Um, but just watching his videos, his highlights and everything, he's a really physical center back, which is great because that's kind of uh, what Gaston Saro was. Um, but since we don't really have that kind of, you know, physical brute, uh, Jonathan Mensah doesn't really offer that as much. But I, I'm really excited with Vito to come in. You know, it, it looks like he times his tackles perfectly. I think he has like an 80% tackle success rate. Um, he's great on the ball. It looks like he's really comfortable, like sitting back. So I think that's going to be really important going forward, especially now that we don't really have that kind of a defensive center midfielder with trap anymore. So I think it's going to be really important for Vito and Jonathan to like hook up and create that kind of two man partnership back there to hold us defensively. So he's more of a holding mid than a than a center. No, no. He, I mean, he's a center back, but he oh. he's just really good with the ball at his feet. Okay. Yeah, no, I was thinking, too, of, like, I used to say Saro was a millisecond away from a red card um, because he always timed his tackle so perfectly. So, um, nice like-for-like replacement. Yeah, I think I think Vito might be one that I don't I don't, I, I don't want to be too cautious, but I am a little cautious. Just the center, center backs coming into this league from Europe, there usually is, you know, an adjustment time. We saw with Jonathan, it took him about four months to really kind of find himself. And I think it, with Vito, it could be the same thing. But on paper, like, it's super exciting because, I mean, his resume just throughout his club career speaks for itself. And then kind of him as a player on paper just fits perfectly next to Jonathan, next to Milton. Um, I think he's somebody who, I think if he adjusts well, if he becomes kind of that player that he was for his entire career in Europe, um, I think we'll have a really good back line. I mean, I think we already do, but I think he's a guy who... Especially for, I mean, I think we're only paying him like it's. He's not. I don't even think he's at a Gam Tam level player. I think he's just like a normal signing, four hundred k, five hundred k. Like, yeah, that sounds right. I think he could like. It has the potential to be like a very good signing. I think he kind of goes under the radar with some of the other big signings we've made this summer, and rightfully so. But I think there's potential for him to be just as good. All right, and then we also have another defender, um, Axel Schuberg from Colorado. Back in the day, I'd always watch the MLS Insider when it was on NBC, SN. Man, I miss when they had MLS. Um, even though ESPN Plus is, is better. Um, uh, not better, but good as well. Um, but that's the only only thing I know about him. But he's, he seems to me, if he's one of those MLS players that, you know, move on, he's, we're going to get an MLS-level defender um, is kind of my thought there. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a great guy to have, you know, as backup if for whatever reason Jonathan or Vito aren't able to be one of the two starting center backs. He has a great MLS resume, um, 88 games with Colorado Rapids, regular season, three goals and two assists. He's a huge presence on the field. He's like 6'7", I believe. Yeah, he's a big and, he's um, tall guy. I, th- I bet you those are headers off corners. I don't yeah, know that for sure, probably. but I'm guessing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I think he's a quality piece for, for, um, for being a backup center back. I think he's got the experience in the league. He's still pretty young. He's only 28 years old. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have him here. You have that in front of you. Um, he did win MLS Defender of the Year two or three years ago, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, I think, Sorry. if I'm not mistaken, I think it was 2016 or 2017. I mean, he's a guy who has been one of the best center backs in MLS at certain points. Now, as we know with MLS center backs, they're very hot and cold. And I think last year we kind of saw the – cold of him um i mean i didn't because i didn't really watch the rapids that much but from what i hear he kind of lost his starting spot and uh I, I don't know what his appearances were but um a guy who at one point was good and kind of really struggled and i think 
hopefully Columbus is kind of that change of scenery that he needs to get back his form. And I think he's a guy who um, hopefully can be a really solid third center back for us. And I mean, he might even be a guy that comes in for a game or two, plays really well, and we end up moving on and getting something for him because maybe he does become that MLS high level center back again. But yeah. It's a really a no risk pickup. I don't think. No, I agree. Like, we got him free, right? Yeah, or did yeah. you already say that? I believe so. Or if if we didn't, it was a very low asking price. So, I mean, it's a no risk pickup. I think a, we I think we picked him up off waivers, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Okay. So it was a free transfer. That's right. That's right. Um, do we have anything to say about our homegrowns, um, Aiden Morris or Sebastian Berhalter? I literally know nothing about um, these gentlemen. I looked up a couple of their stats. Uh, they're both 18 year old um, midfielders. Aiden Morris is coming out of, well, they're both from Crew Academy, of course, but uh, coming out of college, he was at University of Indiana, played 22 games, two goals, eight assists. So he's kind of more attacking-minded than Sebastian Berhalter. Big 10 freshman of the year. Yeah. Um, Morris was? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sebastian Berhalter, obviously a great Berhalter son, Crew Academy coming from uh, University of North Carolina, 16 games played, zero goals, zero assists. So I I think uh, Sebastian's more of a defensive midfielder where Aiden is more pushed up the field. I think they're both kind of number eights, but Morris, I think, has the ability to kind of go and do more of a number 10, and Burnham yeah. would have more of a way of dropping back into a number six. I think a couple of weeks ago, if you would ask me this, I would have really had nothing to comment on them. I think one of the things that kind of surprises me is with that Will Trap trade, and it seems like we are not going to bring in anyone else this window, until you know until the next window in july there seems to be a lot of trust and a lot of faith in both of them from caleb porter and tim bespachenko because yeah, I, I mean we have Artur and we have darlington nagby and other than that it's them too so they're guys who i think we could expect to see very soon like i think that's good too because minutes. that's kind of how will started like he came as a young player he wasn't really like first team player but he was eased in Kind of like they're going to be. I just think the fact that, you know, our leadership is showing how much trust they have in them, that definitely gets me excited. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you were saying one of them is freshman, Big Ten freshman of the year, and they're both 18. So are they still in college, or have they decided to go the professional path? They both played, they both played in college and then decided to go pro. They both played one year. Okay. So this past year they were at both at college, but now they're. I wasn't sure how that worked. I didn't know if you were allowed to like be in college, and because I don't know how the NCAA works. I know that doesn't in football you can't do that, but and um, there interesting. was a lot of speculation with Morris that had he not been a crew homegrown, that he would have gone number one overall in the. Okay. Yeah. Is he um, related to Jordan Morris? I don't think so, but <laughs> hopefully he's a similar type <laughs> of player. <laughs> Yeah, because he Similar poor guy got he got a lot player. of grief for staying in MLS. So um, Aiden Morris, the Columbus Messi. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, and then we have a couple free transfers from um, our buddies down south, um, Fuslag Kentucky FC. Um, D- Derek Etienne Jr. Um, don't know anything about him or what position he plays, so I'll let you guys. Uh, Derek Etienne, he's a winger. I'm sure Dakota has his goals um, and assists. He's a guy who. Um, I would actually say he's very similar to Luis Argudo in the sense that he's kind of a quality MLS rotation backup piece. Um, he is a younger he is a younger guy as well, um, very fiery player as well. Um, some crew fans might remember 
Uh, there was a game against New York Red Bulls when he was playing for Red Bulls where him and Archer got into a little scrap, a little shoving match, um, which is kind of funny now that they're on the same team. <laughs> right. I'm sure they're friends now. I actually don't but, remember uh, that. But, yeah. I mean, supposedly, I mean, we wouldn't know anything because our social media team doesn't post anything, but Boom, he has had a very good preseason for us. He's our second leading goal scorer in preseason so far. Oh, with, really? Uh, two goals, I believe, yeah. um, in the three games. Um, I think he's just he's a guy who... He's not going to, he probably won't start any games besides, you know, Open Cup or the odd league match. But he's a guy who, if we need him for 30 minutes at the end of a match, every few games, uh, he can put in a decent performance. Yeah, I think he's going to be one of those key pieces. I mean, uh, like Cameron mentioned, he is kind of the our go to replacement. So he's not going to really be challenging Diaz or Santos for the starting winger spot. Um, maybe he will we, we could be surprised but um he is going to be more of that rotational type player he's uh 23 23 years old u.s citizen but he does play for the haitian national team um he is a red bulls academy product so with the new york red bulls he was there for from 16 to 19 played 60 games six goals and four assists and then with the uh fuss lads down in kentucky he played five games and uh no goals or assists or anything and uh but I, I do want to mention that most of those appearances, he was coming on as a sub. So yeah. that that is to be taken into consideration that he doesn't really have that. Um, he has never really started a consistent run of games in right. his career. He kind of has always been the sub. Yeah, so I mean, like, he does have that potential where he could turn into, you know, one of the guys beating uh, Luis Diaz or Pedro Santos, you, you know, week in, week out, if one of them have a better or worse week in practice. Um so, I mean, he, he does have a lot of potential, and I'm, I'm excited to have him on the team. I think he's going to be a good depth guy to have. All right, and then another guy that we brought from um, Postlight, Kentucky, um, is Adi. Um, the only thing I really know about him is that he is from Portland Timbers. <laughs> and the thing that I was trying to figure out, the way I understand it, is for whatever reason, Postlight, Kentucky is picking up Two million of his contract, and I think yeah. we only have to pay him like a hundred thousand dollars to be a bench player, which is fascinating yeah, to me. Yeah, because he still had a year left on his Cincinnati contract, and they basically just said, you know, we don't want you on the team anymore. So they kind of just threw away his contract, but per MLS rules or whatever, they are still responsible for paying him. So even though he's going to be up here in Columbus, they still have to pay the you know roughly two million dollars of whatever he was going to be owed. From this year, and then one point eight is what they're paying. Yeah, that sounds right. And then, do we think he's actually going to play at all? I honestly yeah. do, but oh, you do? He, he's not going to start over Jossie. I don't think. Maybe not every week, but I think he's. Aside from the locked in starters that we picked up this off season, I think he's the player I'm most excited about as a bench player because he does have that, you know, really rough presence on the field. He's a really physical forward. And, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves. Uh, with Portland Timbers, he played 126 games, 54 goals, and 14 assists. And uh, with Fusslads down south, he played 12 games and just one goal. Um, yeah, I thought you'd said on Twitter, though, that you didn't understand him, his pickup. No, I mean, at first, when, when it was announced, I was like, why do we need this guy? I, I really didn't understand it because we also have Jordan Hamilton and J.J. Williams. But the more I think about it, and the more I watch his videos and what he was able to do under Portland or under Portland and Caleb Porter's system, I'm really excited to have him come in and push Jossie. I think that's that's the key thing to take away from this is that Jossie's going to be pushed for his starting spot because what we've seen in the past, we've had Jossie Zardes or whoever our starting striker is, and then the secondary or 
third striker. They haven't really been that kind of starting quality. Other than like the two months that Ola Kamara was backing up Kai. Right, (laughs) yeah. yeah. But aside from that, the past, I don't know, maybe three or four seasons, there really hasn't been that kind of inner team uh, challenge. Yeah. So I think that's that's the thing that really gets me excited is that they're both going to push each other to be better and it'll turn out to make us a better team overall. Yeah, I think off-field stuff aside, I'm not really sure what happened to him in Cincinnati. I mean, it looks like he was pretty terrible there. Um, but that's just Cincinnati. But <laughs> Maybe hated living there. Yeah. Cincinnati is a horrible city. But... He still is, you know, only a few years removed from probably being one of the 10 best strikers in the league. Really? And I think he's, I mean, he's a guy who... He wasn't two, even on my radar. No, I'm, I'm just... I'm just Two to three years ago, uh, radar, like, he was the level that, you know, Azardas and Ola Kamara are now. Um, like, he was that kind of striker. He's not, you know, he's not a Yosef, like, don't get me wrong. Right. <laughs> yeah. he, he's, he's kind of, you know, one of those middling MLS starting strikers that, you know, gets double-digit goals every year. Um I think the main thing is just that it is, from a financial standpoint, investment standpoint, it's really a no risk. Like you're paying him 200k, which is, I mean, that is really good for anyone of his caliber, let alone like a striker, like backup right. strikers, one of your more expensive backup positions. Um, and I think it just it does give Zardes like somebody to compete with. I mean. If Zardes, you know, misses three sitters and then the next week he misses another two and then he has a really bad game where he's just really sloppy with the ball, this guy's going to be on his tail and ready to go. And I think also, too, from a standpoint, if Zardes is having a bad game, he, we can sub him out and put Adi in right. for 20 minutes. And I also think they're similar players, but at the same time, like, I mean, well, I mean, obviously they're different, but they are different in the sense that Adi is a big six four kind of brute who i mean he's gonna hold up the ball he's gonna go like he's gonna be kind of a target man in the box um i think it's just it'll be a nice different look too to give other teams because if teams you know are spending all week preparing for zardes and then they have to play adi who's completely different and we're using him in a completely different way i think that's something that could be used to our advantage i think but I think the main thing is just it's a no risk, and I think that's where it's a good signing. Yeah, I do think you alluded to uh, you know off the field things. I think it's worth mentioning because maybe I'm wrong. I'll take this out if I'm wrong. But you were saying something about um, he's become an advocate against drunk driving, um, in terms of. No, I, I was saying that if he was to join the team, I would like him to be kind of that or take that role as like an advocate against drinking and driving. Yeah, so I struggle a lot with. Uh, <laughs> And I know I get a lot of grief for this throughout, um, but players like Balotelli or Ibrahimovic, people who are just like crappy people off the field. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of them. <laughs> Cam's about to like really go crazy, <laughs> but <laughs> it's something that uh, does bother me um, in terms of. And I know that I'm unusual, unusual in that fact. And the same thing on the flip side, like I mentioned at the beginning, if there's a player I really, really like, even though when they become terrible, I'm like, oh, I don't want them to leave. Um, but in terms of second chances and things like that i i don't i think it depends on what it is like in this case if you're driving by yourself and you get an ovi it's a lot different than being an alonzo you know that actually killed somebody and then paid lots of money to the family and then is allowed to you know continue on and make millions i do think there's different levels of things and i know i'm unusual with that you know having lost family members to drunk drivers and things like that but in terms of 
in terms of that, if it's a one-off, I'm not going to hold it against him for the rest of his life. But if it becomes a pattern, then like that is something that would become concerning to me. I think, I think for me, if I was in charge of the team, if I was running the team, I would not have signed him personally. Like, not even solely because of that, but just I, I, I would not have been interested. I would not have gone near him. But now that he's here, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the guy who sits here and just constantly complains about. Oh, I can't believe we signed him. Yeah. I don't want him here. Like. He's here. Yeah, like it's done. We'll see. I mean, he has the right. His right to have a second chance. He has a right to to continue on. But you know, if if, like I said, I'm that one player that we had. I don't even want to say his name, but you know that had that horrible domestic abuse thing, and then slowly moved on and moved to California. Um, Yeah, that's that. That's also a situation where I'm fine with not having him on the team. But we'll see what happens. Um, We'll see if he plays. I am surprised to hear because again, I I don't know that much about about him yet as a player i'm surprised to hear that you think he's going to like play on the team because just based on twitter alone i thought that oh no we signed him to basically not even be in the 18 and you know he's just gonna no, i you think know, we're just gonna pay him but um, he's so we'll definitely see what got a chance i think he's okay. a guy who'll play in almost every game and he will start probably 20 percent of the games all right well and he's definitely going to come in handy uh for u.s open cup and then oh yeah i mean if anything happens to Jossie, if he gets called up or anything, he's the guy that's going to step in. Yeah. And then so the last, it might not be the last, but the last one on my list that I'm trying to keep up with, we have the seventh overall draft pick, Miguel Berry. Berry. Um, I used to be really, really excited about draft picks because we got um, Miram from draft pick. We got Finley from draft pick. But since then, it seems Loss. like for whatever. Yeah. But even, you know, even him, we loaned out for like a year. Like, I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it, they don't really make an impact anymore. And it's, and yeah. so I try, I don't really get that excited about it because everyone's like, ooh, we're going to have that player next year. But then, no, then all of a sudden they're playing in USL like the next year. Every, I feel like the draft in soccer is not really. Every year really it thing. fizzles out a little bit more. And I think eventually, within the next couple of years, they're just going to stop doing it altogether. Because I, I, I don't know. I MLS think it's a waste to, of time. MLS loves the pomp and circumstance of it. I don't I think, think they're ever going to get rid of it. I think they'll yeah. always do it just as long as college soccer is a thing. Or maybe, do it. maybe they I can mean, do did you guys it. See but, that, um, did you guys see that thing where they went to the – they took a bus of like fa- Nashville fans to the to the picks? I was like – That's so like, awkward. What? It was horrible. <laughs> and I think it outlined the two. Also, when you saw the house you know that they went to, like, you know – yeah. Academy players are people with money and wealth, and it just brings up all the issues. Teammate of Aiden Morris at Indiana. (laughs) So uh, that whole thing was so super awkward, but that's what MLS loves. But anyway, uh, with Miguel Berry, I don't really know anything about him um, except for he hasn't signed with the team yet, but he is the only draft pick left with with the crew in training camp. The other two picks didn't make it for whichever reason, just not good enough to be on a MLS team. But uh, Miguel Berry, he would be our fifth striker on the roster, which doesn't really make sense. So I'm indifferent if we, if we sign him or not, yeah, because um, he's really not going to make an impact yeah, on the team. That's overall. how I feel about it too. I think as a seventh overall pick in the entire draft, I think we'll for sure sign him unless there's, I'm not, I'm not an MLS rules expert, but um, unless there's a way where we, he can sign for a USL club and then we can still keep his MLS rights. But if not, I would expect that we will sign him, but then I, think that he will likely be loaned out for yeah, the entire 100%. year. I think that would be that would be a thing with um 
with Morris and Burhalter with discovery rights. I don't think that's a thing with a draft pick. I might be wrong about that, but like you, I'm not yeah, an expert. I'm not, draft pick. I'm not sure. I, I would imagine though the fact that we used a seventh overall draft pick, which granted it's not worth that much, but we still probably could have gotten a hundred K game yeah, for or right. something or an international roster or something for that pick. Like that pick was worth something. So I don't think we would just use it and then cut the guy that we used it on. I right. think in some way or form we'll keep him in the club and I mean now will he ever play for the crew right exactly. I, that's where I don't know that he I mean just with the depth that we have in front of him he might be a guy that just goes on loan for a year or two and then he's gone and then maybe we get something for him from another team but yeah um so the last question I have on the new players is so um I don't know if you got your emails but the um the Kosai the um the preseason party is at Kosai this year, which is wonderful because Bluestone is probably the worst possible venue in the entire city. <laughs> it was pretty Erica, bad. I love you. I love you, Erica. You're awesome. But the Bluestone was a terrible venue for all those people. It was dark. You couldn't see anything. It was crowded. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. But what is the one player that you are all looking forward to meet? Uh, my answer is going to be Lucas, just for Again? personal reasons. <laughs> but, <laughs> I'm um, just kidding. I'll I'll give a different player aside from Lucas um, with my Argentine uh, I don't know whatever but um, I think the the player I'm excited to kind of meet is Vito I think he seems oh. like a really cool guy um, so I'm gonna definitely try to get the chance to talk to him for a minute I think I'll kind of go the opposite way with two other players I think for me it's Darlington Nagby just because I mean. He's been one of my favorite players in America, involved in American soccer and MLS. I mean, really since kind of 2014. Like, I mean, I, I even remember being excited uh, for him to come to Columbus in 2015 when we played Portland uh, in the regular season. Um, and I remember, like, really following his kind of citizenship and becoming a U.S. citizen so that he could play for the national team. And so, I mean, he's just a player who I've really liked and I'm excited to meet. Um then also Chris Cabin, um, really just because um, he's the first Scottish player we've had since I've been following the club um, for the last like seven or eight years. Um, and my family has a Scottish background, so it's cool that we have a Scottish player. Yeah, I was definitely going to go with Cads. Um, he just, uh, again, regional type thing. And also his style of play is what I love. I love that speedy wing play. Um, and of course, um, he, I've already met him many times, but I'll go uh, find Matt Lampson. Um, he can tell a couple good jokes, uh, make everybody <laughs> laugh. And he's about a foot or two taller than me too, so you know, always makes for a good picture. All righty, so let's talk about a few other things related to the crew. Hydration break. Crew in the news. I'm not sure how much we'll spend on some of these things, but uh, one of the biggest things I've been excited about that have been in the news is uh, Crew 2 is probably happening in some way, shape, or form in the next couple of years. It'll be nice to finally get some cohesive direction rather than sending bench players on loan to USL teams across the country um, and then having to call them back. and it's, it's just a nightmare, and you have no direction over how they play. So like, if we're going to have the academy um, play the same way, also in terms of you know being able to control a style of play, it will be... I think will be awesome because I remember our previous ownership said that it just literally was not possible. Yeah, but they so. said a bunch of BS that turned out to be possible and we're doing it a lot better than they would have. But um, anyway, for Crew 2, I think it's a great step forward as a club. Definitely, definitely needed, especially in this day and age with MLS. Um, 
we have tons of depth guys that still need to get minutes, still need to play games and get experience. And I, I think it's a key piece of being a club that wants to compete at the top. So I'm really happy for it. Um, they haven't said when it's going to happen, but they said um, just r- rough like 2021 or 2022. Yeah. So I hope it's sooner than later, but I also don't want to rush it. I want it to be uh, the perfect system to integrate and uh, kind of help us grow as a club. And I don't know what kind of rules there are out there either. I don't know if you automatically get to have a USL team just because you're a second. They said know. it'll either be USL Championship, which is like Division Two, or USL League One, which is like Division Three. So they haven't worked out that either, okay. but it'll be one of the two. I think for me, the key for me is I hope that it's in Columbus. I think yeah. when you look oh, at yeah, good point. I think kind of when I look at, you know, the the crew, like what I kind of want the crew to, to be, I kind of look at Red Bulls too. And I forget what the name of Sporting KC second team is, but um, both of them are like right there with like same training facility. Um, I think Red Bull too might even play at Red Bull Arena. I'm not sure. But um, I think it's important to have it kind of in the same area because it opens up the opportunity for not only in our like in our case if we had it this year, not just guys like Miguel Berry and JJ Williams who would probably spend the whole year with Crew too. But then I think it's also big because you know if we have a home game on a Saturday night and then we have a home Crew two game on a Sunday afternoon, which is a lot of times how that works right. schedule-wise. We then you know can send the Waylon Francis, the Hector Jimenez, the Jordan Hamilton guys who aren't really getting minutes and aren't part of the 13, 14 guys playing every game, they can go down and they can play, you know, five or six games a season in USL, just not even necessarily to get better, but just to stay fit and stay right. in game shape. Yeah. I think that's, it's um, going to be really important. Cause I mean, you look at sporting KC, I mean, their team, I would sometimes watch some of the USL games on ESPN plus on Sunday afternoons. Sometimes they're playing a full MLS team on their second team the Sunday after they had a home game the night before. Do we know um, where the crew will be training? Um, will it be at the new facility that they're planning on building there by um, where the stadium is now? That's yeah. what I've heard as of now. I, I mean, haven't heard they could any use Mafra Stadium, whatever it's going to be called, to play. Yeah. That would be amazing, yeah. Yeah, because they said that they're going to take out the uh, like the upper deck bleachers for Mafra and then kind of just transition that into a smaller stadium, sure. which would work out perfect for a crew, too. Because, yeah. I mean, I think... There has been talk about maybe putting it in like Cleveland or I don't know Dayton something like that, but I I, I think, hadn't heard that yet. That doesn't make sense. And either. it does like it makes sense from a sense that yeah, you'd probably draw bigger crowds there than you would in Columbus. I think that but, ship has sailed with in turn. Oh, I thought you meant bringing more people to Columbus because we've already lost all the Cincinnati foot lads. Uh, no, <laughs> and, but I just and think the like, because there's an argument that if you're putting in a second team, that that team you'd want to draw people to watch. But I think that's not really important yeah. as long as okay. the first team is drawing crowds. I think the second team is. I mean, you realistically are probably going to lose money, but you're still going to gain money in the long term because if you have guys down there developing, they're eventually going to you know help the first team win games right yeah like crew two isn't there to draw in more fans i mean definitely more fans are welcome regardless but crew two would be there specifically to help the columbus crew which yeah exactly they have to be in columbus so like everybody can be on the same page so unless they play the same formation and have the same coaching so it won't be like maybe these people will play maybe they won't play all right, so it was also reported, um, Michael Erase reported that there was a potential change in logo and color. And so I was just curious as to what y'all's takes was on that. Um, I don't really want to spend too much time on this. They've already said that the name and colors aren't going to change. 
Um, I'll just say that if the colors or name were in any kind of uh, doubt of being the same, I would not be on board. I They need to be the Columbus crew and they need to be black and yellow. I kind of agree with him. Like that's really the main thing for me is if you want to change up the badge, sure. But if you, if you want to give us a white or a different color, you know, away kit, sure. But black and gold as the primary colors, Columbus crew is the name. As long as it's that, whatever else is fine but you can't change the name you can't change the colors all right yeah so actually we found a an hour in disagreements and i really couldn't care less i really literally couldn't care Seriously. less <laughs> and, and you know if if we play well i like the black and yellow um i love being unique but i mean there's a couple other yellow teams coming in the in the league um, with lefc quote unquote black and gold and then nashville having yellow so it's not Nashville's really even like that new, unique anymore piss mountain dude yellow <laughs> we have like a good yellow <laughs> yeah and so but for the badge, though, the badge is where I would say, like, people are talking about bring back the construction workers. Heck no. Heck no. We have the best badge in the league by far. And so I don't want to I don't want to lose the badge. The name, I don't care about either. Um, the SC, FC, Unite, I don't care, whatever. Columbus, if it was just Columbus crew, I'd be happy. Um, but it wouldn't cause me much grief. If they had an offseason like they had this offseason and show that they care about the football, like, I feel like I don't really care what happens to the name and yeah, colors. But, I mean, the players come and go, but the Columbus crew and the brand of who we are, that's that's like the foundation. We're all of a sudden red, white, and blue. Is that <laughs> Have the same feeling. Oh, people are gonna be very upset if there's red anywhere near the Columbus crew. Blue and orange. I'm that's just I love love blue orange though. That's like my favorite color combination. (laughs) Okay, now if we were to have the same similar colors as the browns, now that would be disgusting. I do agree, but it would save me a lot of money because I wouldn't buy the jerseys. But I just say don't mess with the badge. I would prefer to be black and yellow, but to me, it's not an end of the world situation. Um, but luckily, either they, way, they've already said that yeah. the name and colors aren't going to change. Well, because so. they got caught red-handed. That's, That's why it's a dub. <laughs> yeah, they got caught, so they had to say that quickly. Um, with the kits, um, I'm, a sub, I'm guessing we're going to disagree on those as well. I when I first saw them, I was like uh, gross, and then they've really grown on me. And everybody complaining about oh, there's a different color in the kits. There's a gray in the kits. I seem to remember five years ago when they had that white kit, um, the long sleeve one with the like they had the boxes along the top. Um, Everybody loved it. I hated it. <laughs> so, like, what difference does it make if they add a different element, different color to it? I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, obviously, MLS decided to go with templates. They all have those humongous three stripes in the upper left corner. They're all V-neck cut, looking like um, choir robes. Um, so, for me, I don't, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm not buying it, but I'm not really too concerned about it. I kind of agree with you for the most part, besides the fact that I will buy it, <laughs> but um, you I have think, a much better soccer player body type than I do. Though. I think the weird, <laughs> I think the thing for me is like I'm not a huge fan of the three stripes on the shoulder. I can live with it, but it's whatever. Um, the cut of it is really weird, kind of the yeah. neckline, and then even like the the cuffs on like the shoulder seem like way too big. Yeah, and then a lot of the other teams had kind of different colors, like they'd have a different color collar and. Uh, sleeve combination whereas ours are just both black so it kind of almost makes it look i don't know the cut on the jersey is just really weird to me well i've heard that they have to design him two years in advance so for a while there it it went out of style quickly but they had those like long hemmed t-shirts that guys would wear so i feel like with the way they cut the last two jerseys they thought maybe that would be in style but it's just not in style anymore maybe that's part of it i don't know yeah i don't know i mean i mean like 
to me, it's, you know, it's a 6.5, 7 out of 10. Yeah, I think I get about 6, I think. 6, something yeah. like that. I mean, it. I would say it is as average as it kind of gets. Like, it's it's not bad. It's not good. Yeah, I mean, I don't love it or hate it, and it's definitely not, like, a must-have kit. You know but... you get Lucas on it, so. No, I've already decided that I'm going to get a yellow for Lucas because oh. I like it a lot better than the black one. Gotcha. But, um... I'm fine with not buying it right away. I don't. I haven't really decided one way or another if I'm going to get that because I'm already going to buy the yellow Lucas jersey. So if I do get another one, I it's probably not going to be until next year. But um, I, I'm fine waiting a couple of years and getting this like for twenty five dollars on eBay in a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> I will say this is kind of an unpopular opinion, but I think it. I think it will look way better with the sponsor on it. I think it right yeah. now looks really empty on the front. And I think as a kid. Like, as a whole, seeing pictures of uh, Nagby, like, with the shorts and the socks and everything, I think as a whole kit, it kind of brings everything together, and I like it a little bit better than just as a shirt itself. Well, I was going to say, that has anybody heard any rumors on who the sponsor is going to be? Because my guess is there's talks. No it's just the contract just hasn't been signed, and so I'm not I concerned. I hope that's the case. <laughs> yeah, people are saying they're concerned, but, I mean, most of those things, like um, – you know, even especially in my job, like if I was drafting the contract, I couldn't talk about it. So that's just the way it works. Um, so I'm not too concerned. They'll have a sponsor. I mean, if the, we get to like the week before the season and nothing's announced or rumored, then I would kind of get concerned. But right. I mean, right now it's it's late, but they should be able to figure out, hopefully. Yeah. And I mean, like even with the Acura sponsorship, I don't think that that was announced until like the right. very last minute. Yeah. So I still have hope that there's going to be some. Wet. Yeah. Yeah. I still have hope that there's going to be some kind of announcement. But then at the same time, as the clock keeps ticking and we keep getting closer to March 1st, I'm not 100% sure that it's going to happen by then. So I guess we'll just find out. They're already selling jerseys with blanks, with no See, sponsors. They so. did that the year with, um, and Acura. I regret, I wish I had one without the Acura on it. Because I remember um, Lochnane was saying you can buy, you can buy the uh, shirt if you buy it at Dick's or whatever. They'll they'll put the the um the lo- the sponsor on it. I was like, why would you want to do that? And I, but I never found a blank one because um, I I kind of like blank jerseys to be honest. But one question I should have asked in the last segment that I forgot about is who of all it doesn't have to be a new signing, but who do we think is going to be our captain starting in twenty twenty? Uh, for me. I don't know who it will be for me. I th- I would personally give it to Jonathan Mensah. I just think all things considered, I think he kind of has the most things pointing at him. Um, I think he's just probably the best candidate. But then, I mean, there are other, I mean, we just have a lot of new guys. And I think, even though I think some of these new guys eventually could kind of be a captain type guy, I think it's important to give it to somebody who, for me, at least, what I want in a captain, I think it's important to have somebody who like knows the club, is experienced in the club. Also, somebody who, I mean, he's a guy who's well liked by all of his teammates, has a great you know relationship with the fans. Um, it's been in the city for a few years now. Um, really good in the community. He's a guy who you don't have to worry about doing anything stupid that's going to taint the name. I think captains are captains are and should be held to a higher standard. I yeah. mean, they, it, it's important that they have kind of a clean resume. Like they, you know, your captain can't get pulled over for driving 175 yeah. miles <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was. Um, so I think, I mean, I would sit lean probably to him, but there are five or six guys who, if they were running the armband, it is what it is. It's cool with me. Yeah. I would say my first answer is just going to be Jonathan Mensah. 
but um they're gonna roll out like this leadership council that they kind of played with the past couple years so porter has already said that they're gonna pick like six or eight guys that are kind of all gonna be leaders among the team but for the guy wearing the band on the field every week i i think it's got to go to jonathan yeah so um thinking about what you said about having the you know somebody who has experience in the team. I just think back when Burhalter, his first year, he took the the armband from Pipa and gave it to Parkhurst because that was his guy. That was the guy he wanted in the team. So from using that, I kind of have a feeling Nagmi is probably probably going to be the guy that wears the armband because he's the one that Porter's used to and that Porter can trust to to get his team going. Um, it'll just be interesting. I think nowadays, I don't think it matters as much anymore. Um, I pers- I've had this argument with many, many people. Like People are like, I really, really want – you need to have the guy yelling the whole time, the goalkeeper. Yeah, I, that to me, I, I don't think that that's that important anymore now as long as they're directing the team. I, I think captain is one of the most overrated things yeah. on the field. Yeah. I think it does not matter. I think you can give the armband to anyone. I don't think it matters yeah. because a leader is still going to lead whether Correct. they have the right. armband or Correct. not. I think it's important who they are in the locker room, who, what the, how their reputation is with their teammates and with the staff. I think that's what's important. And then also, I mean, for me, I think having some semblance of a connection with the fans, I do think is yeah. important. I mean, like, look at 2018. Will Trapp was the captain, but who was the one pointing at all the players and, like, telling them where to go directionally when they were, when they were attacking? It was Iguain, but he wasn't wearing the armband. Yeah, and so the only thing that concerns me when we keep talking about the council and things is – there needs to be somebody who is the person that, that overrides everybody. So yeah. that's why I'm not really a fan of the council. Um, I don't think it needs to be a screamer. It well, could be I, a silent yeah. leader. And the laws, FIFA laws of the game specifically say that – because a lot of people say, oh, you need to have somebody in the face of the ref. The rules specifically say that just because you're the captain does not give you any special standing with the referee. So uh, that part I don't care about. But like you guys said, I just need – I want somebody that, that that's going to lead the team and people know that that's the person who's going to make the decisions. But yeah, but I also think it is like that's where I think Jonathan is good too because he's not a guy who's going to get in the face yeah. of a ref and scream with him. He's a guy who the ref can use to communicate to yeah. the rest of the guys. And that's he'll the do right, it. and right. I think that's where a captain's more. I love when they show like Premier League or even Spanish League refs, like when they have those documentaries every now and then where they um, they on first name basis with all the players, like you know, hey Will, go tell. Go tell Jonathan if he has one more tackle like that, you know, he's getting a yellow card. I think that's really cool. Like that. So, yeah, I agree with that. And plus, plus Mensa speaks English very well, too. Because um, I would say Pedro, but, you know, I don't think he's speaking English. Well, I think well. even <laughs> like we've seen times in MLS where like when a team makes a big signing, they um, right. give it to them right away. Like like we saw with, uh, I believe, Zlatan had the armband in LA within Probably. a couple weeks of being on the Galaxy. And then, I mean, even Carlos Vea's second year was already the captain for LAFC. Um, I think there is a small chance that they just give it to Lucas just because he is kind of the star man, the hmm. $7.5, $8 million, depending on where you Quota, you look. have to get a signed um, armband. Um, <laughs> I think there's a chance maybe they give it to him, a small chance, but... Um, I don't think they'll put it in it your notebook until he can speak English. And that's where, yeah, and that's what I was saying. It's like... They should hire you to teach him English. <laughs> hey, I mean, I won't turn it down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we actually only had two questions, but... Listener questions at halftime. Yeah, we're nearing the end, but I'll just go ahead and read the two questions. We have Massive at TBL87 asking, where have you been? I was worrying, worried the band split up. Well, we've been on off-season, just like the players. 
No, but I've had a lot going on, like I talked at the beginning, you know, moving, um, getting married and all those things. So we're going to do our best to record as often as we can. It probably won't be a weekly thing, but um, we'll definitely try to get together and um, banter about here and there. Um, I do know Dakota's got his podcast going on as well that you should listen to. Um, if you speak Spanish. <laughs> I mean, if you, knew you don't have to tell Spanish. them that. They may not know it's Spanish. <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, yeah. And then my buddy Rich Uncle Skeleton at Lava Twin says, you guys are back this season. Yes, thank you. Um, you've been selected for talent show and are tasked with choreographing and performing a dance with a crew SC player as your partner. What type of dance and with what player? Ooh, I got to think about that for a second. Do you have an answer <laughs> since you already read it? I don't. I mean, I was thinking about it. I don't. I actually don't dance. There's no dancing in my wedding. I don't wedding even either. know enough about dancing to answer what type of dance. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know. So I'm going to say something really stupid like Macarena with Matt Lampson or something. Just dumb. I want to go with <laughs> a nice cumbia. Ooh. Dancing with Lucas. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think I would probably just dance with Harrison Awful, and I would look absolutely stupid <laughs> next to him, but he's a good dancer, so he'd carry us. He's got that yeah. swag. Yeah, well, that's a good idea. Well, um, hopefully we get some serious questions next time. But <laughs> hey, yeah. That's a good question, <laughs> but though. He, if, if, it's very thoughtful. Yeah. If we're going to have yeah questions that thoughtful, we'll take those, too. <laughs> All right, so we'll move on. We'll just have a few more things, and we're almost nearing the end. Final whistle. Um, so a couple of things we were talking about before. Um, this is where we usually talk about the upcoming match, and we will talk about that. Um, but throw in some random predictions. What is one question for Caleb Porter that you would have if you had to ask him? A, if you had the opportunity to ask him one question. So I think we kind of we kind of talked about it earlier, but I think for me it's how does he get the best out of Pedro this year back on the wing? He had a career year last year with Columbus kindly finally broke out, but it was almost exclusively playing through the middle with Lucas, who I'm sure will make Pedro better, but how does he get the same kind of production out of Pedro this year as he did last year, now putting him back out to a position where he has struggled in the past. And I think some of that has been answered in the sense that we've heard and seen little bits of, great play between Lucas and Pedro and with Milton kind of dominating that left side, Pedro will still get to spend more time kind of cutting in and playing through the middle. Um, but that would kind of be my question is how does he, how exactly does he see P Pedro season? And, Cause I, I do think like for as many good signings as we've made this year, I think we still are gonna, really going to need Pedro and uh, Zardes to kind of be our scorers. My question would be, why do you hate Will Trap? <laughs> no, I'm actually, I don't have a serious question, so I wanted to sandwich that in there. We'll get another serious question from Dakota. No, kind of the same thing. Just like looking at how much attack, attacking quality that we have on our team. You know, before with the Greg Berhalter era, we were more of a defensive team, but now that we're really transitioning more into purely attacking focused with Caleb's. Uh, I mean, they both have a very similar system, but Caleb is a little bit more attacking-minded. But especially now with without the Will Trap presence, you know, the guy that dropped in between the two defenders, how are we going to push the rest of our midfield and still keep our defensive mindset? Because I think relying on Vito and Jonathan Mensa and the two um, fullbacks, who's going to be the guy to step up? Because I don't really think Artur is that defensive-minded player that we need. So what what's going to be the tweak this year that we're going to see new from what we've seen in the past? 
All right. So I guess what is the question you have for Bez? This one I do have a um, kind of serious question. Uh, what? How would he grade the the off season? Because I think that will tell us a lot of of the you know ambition. I hate using that word, but the ambition that are, yeah. that are that's like that, an overplayed that, word that the club will have. Because they made a lot of moves. I mean, yeah. a lot of moves. So for me, I'm extremely happy. But if Bez were to say, you know, we did a lot, but we're still not happy, and we want to push more, that would be awesome. That's actually the thing that I was kind of thinking of for my question is like, I would say, looking at yourself when you first signed with the crew and your vision that you had. How close are we to being that club that you wanted to, or how, how close are we to being at that point where you wanted us to be? Timbers and, three. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know. I, I think that they've done a fantastic job, but I just want to know how much more they're going to push and wh- what we can expect going forward. I think for me, this is it's kind of a question for Caleb too. Um, yeah. And Dakota touched on it a little bit a second ago, but um my question for Bez would be, what is the plan long-term for that number six position? I think Will left, and I think that was the right time. I think he needed to go. But I also don't really see Artur as a true number six. I still think he is kind of a number eight. And I think he'll do a decent job there through the first half of the season. I mean, we'll wait and see. Um, and then also with the two young guys, Aiden Morris, Burhalter, what's – what is his plan? Like, are we actively looking for a long-term starter in that number six rule? Or are we going to look for more of a, a depth guy to go with those rookies as backups? Or what's the plan for, like, what's the plan for the midfield outside of Darlington Nagby in that number eight role? So do you, you or we have any um, areas of concern um, in terms of the, the off season and the, the transitions that we made? Honestly, looking at this whole off season and what we're starting off as a roster with this season, this is the most confident I think I've been since, since I can remember being a crew fan. Well, to be fair, in. you're confident at the beginning of every single no, season. <laughs> fair. I mean, I'm pretty optimistic, but yeah. I think we made fantastic moves this off season and I think we're set up to be a really good competing team. So yeah, I think we've got the perfect setup to get, get a good start. I think on a more pessimistic note, um, right now I think we are set up to be a locked-in playoff team. I think we could be anywhere from like maybe maybe as high as two, but I kind of see us as like a three-four, third or fourth in the East, um, and I think that's really good. Yeah. And I mean that's and even from third or fourth, you're in a position to make a run for MLS Cup, and I think we have a team that can make a run for MLS Cup. But long term, I still would absolutely love if one day we could be competing for a supporter's shield. And I think one thing, as excited as I am about this attacking talent that we have, I still think there is kind of a lack of goal scoring in the team that you need to be like the Atlanta, the LAFC, like that type of team, like scoring, you know, 60. I mean, I think LAFC, I don't know how many they scored last year. They scored over 60, I believe. But like, yeah, they were a plus. 50-something like, goal differential. I mean, I think, like, eventually I'd like to get to the point where, you know, we're scoring, like, 60 goals a year. That would be amazing. And <laughs> I think right now we're just not there. I think you have Zardes, you have Pedro. I would expect Diaz to score a little more. Um, Lucas isn't exactly known for his goal scoring, but he can score. But I still think, like, I still think we might be missing, like, 5 to 10 to 15 goals around our lineup that – is the difference between us being a third and fourth seed mm-hmm. and then being like the best team in the league. I think 
that and then also I mean the number six position does concern me because I think with Nagby and Lucas who are going to be great on the attack I think is Archer that cover guy who protects the back four I don't know I think he's a good defensive player but I'm not sure if he's that natural like destroyer number six which is what I think we need and so I'm a little concerned about that I think it's something that if it doesn't go well I do think that is something we will address in the July window like I asked Baz earlier and yeah, um, I think we will because over the off season, I know rumors. Next, yeah. R- yeah, rumors don't really mean anything until they're uh, until they actually happen. But we were linked to a handful of uh, CDMs from Europe, so then, I-, I think that is definitely something that they're thinking about. Um, I don't have any inside knowledge to who that could be or where they're looking, but I think that that is something that we can expect maybe come July or maybe not until you know next January. And then I think one more would just be how veto adjust i think you look look at center backs around the league coming from other leagues i mean you have jonathan who i think has been an amazing defender probably a top 10 center back in the league over the last few years but that first four months where every other game he's making just a crucial mistake yeah. and, and you see that in a lot of center backs i mean and some of them never figure it out now a lot of them do they just need that three four months to get used to yeah. it But I think for Vito, it would be like, how quickly does he adjust? Because, you know, if he struggles at the beginning of the year, then maybe we're looking at a fourth or fifth seed in the playoffs compared to, you know, higher up. So I think it would just be a little concerned about how fast he adjusts. But, I mean, I have faith that he can do it. Yeah, when I first saw the question, my original thought was, well, we did a lot. um, We did really upgrade the defense. But as we talked here, and obviously I wasn't paying that much attention, so we actually did upgrade the defense. Um, but I would actually agree on the scoring side of things because Zardes is so hot or cold that he could go in a slump, and then if Adi's his only backup, um, like this is kind of a transition into our question about you know who's the third leading scorer. I'm gonna say Zardes is the third leading scorer. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, that's a hot take. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I think if Pedro and Lucas really do connect really well, they may be our two leading scorers, um, and then have Zardes because like I honestly as excited as as I was when we got him and how much I like him, I have not been that impressed with him, especially last year. He's just not... He just needs ten, nine chances for the 10th goal to go in, and it's it's. I'm concerned that that's going to continue the season. Yeah, I mean, I can see that. I've said for a while that I want a more dynamic striker, um, but, you know, with the guys around him, that's also going to help out Zardes. You know, he's going to get a, a lot of attention drawn away from him now that we have you know, two, three really good attacking players also giving the push and drawing away defenders. So hopefully that'll create some more uh, space in front of him, some more chances that'll go our way. Because, I mean, looking at last year, we only had 42 goals total. That's including U.S. Open Cup. So if we can somehow get, you know, 10, 15 more goals than we had last year, this year, I think that's going to put us in a very good position even going forward into 2021, 22. So I think we're on the right track. Um, they definitely have a, a plan that's that they're putting in place, and I think that we're seeing everything starting to set up and get better eventually. I should have come more prepared for this, but do either of you by chance know who our third leading goal scorer was last year? Was it David Akam, or was it did DS get there by the end of the year? I know, All I know, is I know who I a was, very low number. Wasn't it the defenders? It was two or three. Wasn't it Williams and Sarah with two goals each? I don't, well, I don't, Akam had two or three. Let me look it up. And I'm quick. not sure if Diaz got to three. He might have only had two. But regardless, anyways, I say that 
that that's why like you know third goal scorer i think for me zardas and pager are the clear two guys i think zardas you expect to get double digits i think pedro hoping that he keeps his form like last year should get anywhere from eight to 12 goals this year so for me it's between diaz and lucas the other parts of that attack and then adi depending on how much he plays um so personally i think it's luis diaz i think he's a guy who i think for us to really take like that you know for us to take a huge step as a club i think along with the additions we made luis diaz kind of becoming a more productive player and he was very productive from when he came in last year but kind of with the full season if he can get to maybe that seven eight goal mark and then i would expect him to get plenty of assists as well like he did last year um he's a guy who i think personally i would have as our third leading goal scorer but um i think it's definitely a key area this year because i think last year we really lacked having that third goal scorer yeah so i got it pulled up now um so for 2019 jesse zardes had 13 goals pedro santos had 11 and then Luis Diaz had two. David Akam had two. Josh Williams had two. Didn't Saro have two? two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that's just the short list. But um, but that's such so, yeah, a drop off. Right. Yeah. You have two really good players, kind of with the whole team on their back, in in a sense. But aside from that, we we were no threat at all. And no, I think we that's why I think it's an important question: is we need like for us to get where we want to get. I think we need to have we need to have more than two goals as our third. And also. Looking at assists, Pedro Santos led the uh, led the team with assists with six, and second place was Iguain, who missed half the season with five. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> and then Diaz. Is yeah, right and there then too. Diaz is number three with four, and he only played like the last. <laughs> so two I mean, months. I, I think if we can figure out the attacking kinks that didn't work last year, we're definitely going to be set up to be a much better team this year than we were last year, which isn't hard to do, but <laughs> but still yeah. something that should definitely be happening yeah it can be a catch-22 because having so many changes and being so excited about it can be good but also so many changes make it harder to get in that uh, kind of um gelling together but based on what you guys are reporting from preseason that i'm excited for this season i've been for the ever since we've done this and since i've been a season ticket holder i say every year we're in the treble we're winning the treble so i'm trying not to do that this year we're gonna get the trouble reverse psychology <laughs> i've said it a couple of times at reverse psychology if i keep don't keep saying it maybe it'll happen this year so well, the only other thing i wanted to talk about before we um put this to bed um is the schedule um, so um, is there any away games that stick to you, out to you? Um, the two that I was hoping to go to this season was Nashville and um, Dallas. Um, we got a little bit too excited when we had no <laughs> home game on the 21st of March. Um, Dakota's one of my groomsmen, so I feel really bad. And I've even given him the opportunity to bow out so we can go to Nashville because he's been talking for two years about going to Nashville. So thanks, Bez, but thank, no thanks, Bez, um, but that's true friendship. He's not going to Nashville, but I still feel <laughs> terrible about it. And then the Dallas game, which I've been waiting. I wait every two years for a Dallas game to line up when I can go. This year it's actually in the summer. I'm like, oh, sweet, we can go. I can go with Andrea, but it's during a conference I have to go to for work. So yeah. I don't really have many any away games this year to look forward to. <laughs> the only game that I'm 100% locked in is Cincinnati, of course. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. But that's basically <laughs> that was a given. That's basically another home game. Yeah, um, exactly. But aside from that, I might make a trip out to Montreal because we played oh, there yeah. in the summer. So uh, I went last year, but it was still a bit cold, so we didn't really get to take advantage of the whole city and everything. So I'd like to do that trip again. 
Um, but other than that, I don't really think that there's many opportunities that that fit my schedule anyway for, for away games. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, um, for me, probably the one that I am not planning on going to right now, but I think by the end of the year I will be considering is that Miami away game at the end of the year. I've never been to Miami. I've been to Florida a lot, pretty much everywhere but Miami. So I'd be interested think, in that, depending on where we are. Going and I think same. that's the key. I think it depends on a couple things. It depends on if we're really bad, I probably won't. Go. <laughs> right. And if we're really good, I'll probably want to save my money for potential away playoff games. Right. Yep. Um, but it is one that, you know, it would be a nice little trip. I believe it's in October. Or, it's the very last game of the season. Yeah. So... I think it'd be nice to, I mean, it'll start be getting a little chilly here. Yeah, it'll be that'd nice be good. to have a nice little couple days in South Florida. I hate Florida, and I hate, um, and I have no interest in going, like, Miami's not in the top of my list. I shouldn't say no interest. That's not the right way to say it. But it's not, like, the top place I'd want to visit. But that timing, like, where it's not July or August where you're going to die of, like, sweating to death, um, that would be a perfect timing to get some nice weather. I will say, though, it will be nicer to go to Miami when they have their new stadium. When yeah, yes. that's true. So that's the other thing that, yeah. Because... I mean, the stadium they're going to be playing in this year is, like, not in Miami. So. Yeah, yeah. Minnesota's <laughs> coming to Columbus this year. By, by the way, they have the best jersey uh, of 2020. Um, Portland would like a conversation. Uh, Portland <laughs> didn't make my top four. Yikes. Um, Seattle's better than Portland. Um, that Seattle <laughs> oh, jersey is <was> beautiful. <laughs> um, but I'm looking out the window, and I, was, I originally was going to say, well, our home opener's March 1st, and this has been a very, very, very mild winter, but it is snowing like crazy. Um, so I'm a little bit – now I'm a little pessimistic at how the, the weather is going to be. But we are playing NYCFC at a 12.30 kickoff, which I'm excited about. A Sunday 12.30 kickoff is very exciting to me um, because the sun will be out, and it won't be super-duper freezing. Um, you need, could be. <laughs> yeah, it could be, but it's not going to be as bad if it was 7.30 at night. Yeah, um, true. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um I was going to do uh, score predictions too. If you have, I think it's too early to have a clue what how either of these teams are going to play. But I do have a score prediction that I want to uh, that I want to give. You can go ahead. I I think I want to wait for my score prediction until I see at least a couple preseason <laughs> games. <laughs> but it's um, going to be a three nothing win. I'll give a okay. Uh, I'll give a joke one, and then I'll give my official one. You know, before right before the season starts. I Sounds think that fair. I think NYCFC. I think we draw one one. I think. The team will be super hyped up heading in. I think we'll go and we'll disappoint. Everyone will freak out. And then we're going to go to Seattle the next week and win 3-0. Ooh, ooh, I like that. Um, whenever we play NYCFC, it's always high scoring for both sides. So I'm going to say it's going to be a 3-2 win for the crew. 7-0. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, I think of the first year Berhalter came, um, we got uh, 10 points out of four games. We won those first three in a row and because we were so new and so fresh. Heck, even last that's year we had a feel. good start to the season. Oh, that's and true. Then we just took a dump for five months. Well, yeah, even that first year Berhalter was here, games. we had – well, we the same thing we happened with Berhalter's yeah. first year. We yeah. had – I think it was 19 games and 18 losses of draws. There was one win in 19 games or something like that. And so um, so the, the way the season starts doesn't really mean how the rest of your season right. is going to go. But I would like to hit it strong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but aside from that, I think it'll be a good match because I rate NYCFC this year. I think they're going to be a top four team. Um, so it, it'll be a good test for the crew to see where we are. Who really did they started. sign that you would say that? No, I mean just from last year going in. Okay. I think it's it's weird because they actually don't really have a star at all, and they didn't really last year either since you know the Via and the Lampards and Piros left. Um, 
not that Pirlo was any good. But yeah, Lampard um, and Pirlo were the worst MLS uh, signings. I think. See, Lampard, everyone says is bad, but then you look at his stats and he actually. No, was I don't really think good. he's bad. But I mean, for NYC, FC, NY, yeah, but for FC, NYCFC, I can't like, even say it. NYCFC though, he like did score like a bunch of goals for them. I it's honestly don't like, remember watching him at NYCFC. Like at all, I, did. I was a big because I used to be a Chelsea fan. He so. played like eighteen <laughs> games, but he had like twelve goals. Anyways, um, then he kept getting off the bench and scoring against Chelsea, which sucked. But you know, <laughs> one time <laughs> uh, that was a fun game. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think uh, NYCFC though they are like, I mean they're almost kind of like us in a way. Like they're kind of under the radar. Like right, league, like the moneyball. I think league wide, you look at their roster. I mean. A po- non-crew fans look at our roster and I mean there's Nagby and Zardes who they know from the national team but there's nobody there's no like superstars like they don't really know who Lucas is and I think it's similar yeah, right. with NYCFC they have a bunch of guys that are all really good but none of them are kind of stars and they're just kind of a well-oiled machine that play good soccer except when they play in their home yeah. stadium the yeah. only, the the only name of- that really sticks out for NYC that we've seen like play really well against us is Maxi Morales which is one of the poor man's Lucas. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, and there was a scuttlebutt last week that they have found a spot in the Bronx to build a stadium. So I mean, that might be something that I think it's just BS talk I'll because it when I see it, <laughs> no, I agree. But I'm just saying, like, that's actually the first time I can remember yeah. it, actually something quasi definitive because I Miami keeps doing that. Oh, and I wanted to make fun of Nashville too. Did you guys see? Um, the reports from Nashville. So yeah, this I don't is... know that I want to make fun of them. But... <laughs> so it's, no, I, I shouldn't say it in Nashville, but make fun of MLS because there was a um, there was a um, lawsuit between like the people who want to save the fairgrounds um, against the city, basically. I think it was against the city. Yeah, against Metro Nashville um, to say, hey, there shouldn't be a stadium here. We want to keep our fairgrounds. And so yesterday. Um, Nashville FC filed a motion to intervene in that case. In other words, they they asked the court for permission to be heard, um, you know, be part of that case. Um, apparently, the agreement set between MLS and Nashville says that if they don't build, start building by March thirty first, they'll they'll pull the they'll pull the franchise. Really, I didn't know that. So, they would still play the whole year <laughs> this year, but they would be told by March thirty first that this is your last yep. year. Yep, isn't Holy that crap. crazy? Which would be crazy. Which is like this league is a complete joke. It's Hashtag just a complete joke. Safe Nashville. And then that, I mean, that they're already <laughs> playing in an NFL stadium to begin with. That stadium would be, would be empty. Oh, yeah. And that would be so bad. And then it's like Louisville. They have they built that beautiful brand new stadium for a USL I love team. Stadium. It's beautiful. Yeah, I saw a video well, this week. On it'd be Twitter. sweet if we play them in U.S. Open Cup in Louisville. I'd go to that. Yeah. And I mean, the rumors kind of are that if Nashville, I mean, I would like to see the team stay yeah. in Nashville. Obviously, and yeah, I think yeah. as crew fans, we'd be oh yeah, kind of messed up yeah. to say otherwise. <laughs> right. Um, but there have like rumors that Louisville would be where that team would go. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, I don't feel as bad as pooping on Nashville because again, I mean it more against MLS and the fact that they don't actually have a team yet. I mean, I suppose they do have. I guess they would have play there for a year. I guess that part's true. So I guess it would be similar just situation. Be weird. But yeah, it's okay. just the whole MLS nonsense that just is like. I get it's, more and more embarrassed to be an MLS fan by the day. It's that, and then you have to take into consideration that NYCFC has been around for over, what, five years now? And they don't have a set plan at all. And they're about to play a CCL game in the <laughs> rival <laughs> stadium, <laughs> which oh, I man. just cannot fathom. I would Like, imagine uh, us being crew fans and having to play at Nippert. That's a horrible <laughs> state. Playing on putt-putt grass? Yeah, that'd be terrible. <laughs> Alrighty, well, I think that's a... 
good place to wrap this up. Um, I've been Todrick33, Todd Fichtenberg, and of course with me is Coda Stewart. At Coda Stewart. Hey, it's the same thing. And we had Cam McKay join us today. Hope he comes back sometime soon. We'll see. <laughs> and then also uh, Max Brunke, um who's part of the panel. Yep. Um, let's see if we can get him on the show. <laughs> but other than that, you guys have a great week, um, and hopefully we will come back soon. Bye. Bye.